back corner <laughs> when I'm not presenting. Listening in. And listen in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Bash University Live here on Tuesday night. Take a quick break. Watch John Cruz's on the Tokyo rig. Be a part of the show. Get some chances to win some awesome prizes. Bash, you go. You know, we didn't have that back then. And, and, dude, it, it could just... That text thread gives me so much energy. I mean, like I'm dialed. live there we go i hear me now we're live now welcome to bash you live uh it's it's awesome to be here we've had a just a blistering week a uh, weekend of just tournament fishing all over the place from from uh, our local ike foundation derby to uh which we had participants from all over to we had a the all-american took place as well as the bassmaster elite and we're going to be talking about all that stuff uh, on today's show and we're going to cut through the crap like we do at Bash University we're going to get to the juice how the guys did it how you can use these techniques to help you catch fish we're going to we're going to get to the juice on on every body water so varying so many different types of patterns uh, it's going to be really interesting to dive into all these things and uh, we have great guests coming on uh, number one we've got GDP in the house good to have you with us man good to be here Pete Fresh off a, another solid finish uh, on the elites, we were, man, you were in that top ten in and out. You were sniffing the sniffing the cut line. It was awesome. Yeah, it was a good derby for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of excited to talk about it. I am too. We're gonna be we're gonna be diving in there. Uh, by the way, Brandon Lester, who won that event, is is currently sitting on a beach somewhere enjoying his win. I think, <laughs> but so life on a beach. Like, yeah, we couldn't. We we're not. We're gonna be talking to him next week. Uh, and GDP is going to be hosting that. Uh, we're going to be talking to Brandon Lester, diving in deep with uh, exactly how he dominated that tournament, 20 pounds every single day. It was pretty impressive. Uh, so really looking forward to that. And we have uh, we have three really special guests that I'm, I'm excited uh, to have on the show. Some you know, some, some you're going to maybe see for the first time, but we have uh, the boys from the All-American and uh, they did so well. We had two top tens with Mike Reed and our own Justin Kimmel uh, and and Matt Henry, who made the All-American. And then, you know, followed up uh, by just blistering the, the team tournament trail. Like he's just winning, winning BFLs, winning team tournaments all through Alabama and Georgia um, right now. So we're, we've got these three guys, uh, the terrible trio coming on. We're going to be talking with those guys about Lake Hamilton. That was a tough, tough event. Uh, Ten pounds a day carried you a long way. Summertime at Lake Hamilton proved to be a challenge. So we'll be we'll be diving in with those guys, and of course we're going to be talking about the Ike Foundation event on the Chesapeake Bay, where uh, the winners won a, a bass cat boat in the Yamaha Outboard. Our own Riz had a tremendous tournament. Congrats, Riz, with a third place finish. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, we'll be. Uh 
diving into that a little bit later, but uh, just an awesome run event, as always, by the Ike Foundation ladies. One of them sitting right next to me, our wonderful Miss Jocelyn. Uh, yes. Busted it to, to get that whole event going, as well as uh, Kate Flood and the rest of the foundation crew. Um, they do an outstanding job. A lot of effort goes into that. And uh, putting fishing rods in kids' hands is something that we got to continue to do as anglers. It is so, so important, not only to, you know, make sure that we have the longevity of our sport to keep things going in the right direction, but you can really make a difference in a kid's life by getting them involved in fishing. So uh, kudos to you. Jocelyn and the rest of the Ike Foundation crew uh, on another great event on the Chesapeake. Thanks, Rich. And I want to say, if you guys didn't make it, you didn't, you couldn't participate. You can go to ikefoundation.org and donate. Uh, these, this funding is going to go to get rods and reels into the hands of kids that might never see them, as well as there's great scholarships uh, provided by the Ike Foundation. All this, you guys can participate right now. Get over there, get some donations done and Jocelyn we had no idea you had such great vocals in that national anthem on uh, tournament morning I mean what can I say I, I just know how to sing <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was funny we all thought you were singing it uh, I know I think it's so funny because it was such like a perfect rendition. Of, there was no flaws, and everyone yeah. still thought it was live. That <laughs> was so funny. Great. <laughs> well, no sense correcting them now. No. <laughs> we'll take we'll take that compliment. But we uh, <laughs> we're brought to you by we're we're here at Tackle Direct Studios, guys. It was great. I had a a, a great customer out this past week, and uh, it was awesome to hear the amazing uh, their stories about Tackle Direct. Like, they started using Tackle Direct when they needed it. When they needed it the next day, they go to Tackle Direct. And uh, that was, uh, you know, that was a great, great thing to hear. And if you guys, uh, it's great customer service. You're going to order the products. It, they're going to get to you. They're going to get to you on time. They're going to get to you on time for your tournament. So, uh, so yeah. go check it out. Uh, at Tackle Direct. By the way, we have an amazing, uh, for Bash University subscribers, we have an amazing Tackle Direct blowout taking place right now. 30% off striking... Chick Magnet. Chick mm -hmm. Magnet. That's the one. That's their, their new flat side. It's uh, It won best yep. in show at iCast. And we're just... Crankbait's legit, man. They're they are making that available to Bash University subscribers. So check your email right now, guys. Get over there. It's a, it's a nice blowout at 30% off. You'll have it tomorrow. Yeah. Um, so go go check out the Chick Magnet. And uh, we've got... A, what else we got going on? We've got... Pro, I, yeah. see, I see we have, always, as always, our Facebook Like yeah. and Share contest. Go take care of that. You're watching over there. Yeah. Like us. Share us. We've got TH Marine products. We've got VMC Rapala products. I see a nice TH Marine cull system. Of course, I didn't need one at the Chesapeake <laughs> this weekend, but I may need one in the future, so it's good to have. Always. <laughs> it's what Always. happens when your boat 10,000. Yes, 10,000. Pete, I wish I would have had your boat number, honestly. <sighs> that, I, didn't I didn't have a fish in the boat until nine something so it wouldn't have mattered uh it it's yeah. you know it's like whatever you think you want you want the opposite last yeah. year i wanted the last boat because yeah. the tide we wanted that this year i had a sneaky little spot i needed a good boat draw to get there and and i didn't get there and that's that's the first of many excuses you'll hear from me <laughs> this afternoon <laughs> but uh <laughs> we had a we had a lot of fun doing it and uh 
you know, it bow draws, but they, but you would think, you know, I, I represent the, the Ike Foundation of participating in everything. I know all the girls and the personnel here at the Ike Foundation, and I'm last boat in the tournament. Come on, Josh. You know, some people would appreciate that, <laughs> but it is all by it's all random. But the randomizer. Yeah. No, no doubt, no doubt. I was I was but one thousand and ninety nine this past week. <laughs> well. But, you know, it's uh, Pete. Sometimes the the dice fall one way. Sometimes they fall the other. I, you know? I know. I know. I couldn't. I couldn't make. I had. You know. I I did catch the majority of my weight in the last hour. Right. So that that extra time did help yep. me out. So, but yep. it was. Same. It, yep. It was it was a great cause, and uh, we'll try to get them next time. Um, we do have a grand prize. Pay attention. We're going to be talking about a lot of fascinating stuff. Like you said, we cut through the crap at Bash U. That we, is right. We get to the goods, you know, not the doc talk, not the stuff that's going to lead you astray, the stuff that's going to help you get into the check line, help you be consistent. And pay attention to today's show because we're going to be giving away a $50 Tackle Direct uh, coupon uh, to a, a question that Riz is going to prepare and ask at the mm -hmm. end of the show. So if you get that right, uh, it's going to be based on what we talk about here on the show. Right. You get that right. The first person to get that right, we're going to give you 50 bucks at Tackle Direct. So, Very cool. Uh, and uh, our Facebook like and share today, Pete, is also uh, we're going to do a Bashu TV gift card for okay. our Facebook like and share to uh, give somebody out there watching on the Facebook waves a chance to see what the program's all about and brag about it to their buddies. Because if you're watching right now or you're listening on podcast, I want you to pay attention real closely. You need to sign up for Bass UTV. This will absolutely help your fishing. It'll take your game to the next level. You have the best anglers in the world teaching about what they're the best at. Right now is a great time to try it. Use the code BULIVE30. That'll get you 30 days of free access to the program. Or if you're signing up right now, sign up for the Frog Days of Summer mm -hmm. promotion, man. We're hooking you up with some frogs, a Bass University official camo hat, it's a full year. Commit yourself to it. Invest in your own fishing with the Bash University. It will absolutely help you out there on the water. I also noticed at the Ike Foundation weigh-in, when everyone was walking up the stage, the amount of people that had a Bash University hat, it was crazy. And they all said that they love Bash University and that they're, that's their lucky hat. So... You can have a lucky hat too if you sign up for the Frog Days of Summer. Uh, you can get lucky your lucky hats. hat right now. Exactly. Plus, we'll give you a couple cool Terminator frogs, and that's just be be part of it. Be part of it. Put yeah. the put the time in. Uh, got you hear this about a lot of guys uh, in their fish. You know, that want the quick fix. You want this. Put the time in. Work on your game. It's going to really help you when you get confused. You get lost out there. This is when it's really going to benefit you. So. Be part of it. Come on, join the program at Bashu.tv. And we've got a couple. We've got a trio of Bash University subscribers in the, in the wings we're going to talk to. Are we going to take a break, Riz? Yeah. And then yep. uh, we're going to bring these guys on. Guys, if you're just tuning in, really cool show. We're going to be talking about the All-American of Lake Hamilton. We're going to be talking about the Elite Series that just took place down on Pickwick. And we are going to be talking about the Upper Chesapeake Bay where I was boat 1,099. Uh, we'll be right back after this. Why Bass Boats for Sale? Our mission is to be the premier bass boat outlet for listings and buyers. 
We believe if customers can't find it, it doesn't exist. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. BassBoatForSale.com technology. Find what you are looking for. Catch more fish. Have more fun. Aquaview. Seeing is believing. Why do you love catching fish and rods? I'm truly losing less fish. Is the sensitivity of the rod. That are made right here in North Carolina in the USA. Strongest, lightest rod, 100% made here in Sanford, North Carolina. From the drop shot rod to the flipping stick. Every rod has a purpose to it, and I rely on them all the time when I'm out there in a tournament. Durability in the John Cruz Worming series, the counterbalancing in the handle. It's the only rod I found that can withstand my hooks that boom goes the dynamite. On the water, not spent fishing is a moment wasted. That's why Minkota and Humminbird have joined forces to bring you the One Boat Network. Products that communicate and integrate to help you take full command of your boat. Born from our commitment to making the most advanced fishing gear even better by making it work together. The One Boat Network will help you find, get to, stay on, and catch more fish. When One Boat Network products talk to each other, they can navigate your boat automatically. They can give you a crystal clear view of what's below with no messy wires. And they can let you lower, raise, and change shallow water anchor modes from anywhere on the boat. But that's just the beginning. We're never done innovating, integrating, and making your boat simpler and easier to control. All so you can make every second on the water count. Why Bass Boats for Sale? Our Welcome back to Bass University Live, everybody. We're uh, very excited. Uh, got a big show. We're going to be tackling uh, lots of different types of patterns, lots of different types of fishing. So get your questions together. Um, let us know what you, what you want to know about, want to talk about. We have uh, guys going to be fishing everything from ledge fishing down on Lake Pickwick to Lake Hamilton summertime patterns to fishing tidal systems on the Chesapeake. We're going to be diving into all these different types of bodies of water. So uh, so get your questions together, and we'll pass them through. We're going to be monitoring our YouTube, Facebook, as well as our instant message uh, questions from BashU.TV. Oh, by, yeah. the, by the way, did you get the BashU app? Go over and get the Bashu TV app. If you don't know, go get it downloaded. It's the it, deal. It is the deal. It makes it so easy 
to navigate and watch wherever you're at because everybody's watching on their phones. I know that's where I where I watch and listen to Bash You. So uh, every single night, go every single night after after dinner. It's yep. Bash You TV. Well, on, whether it's my laptop or whether it's my app or where, but it's every single night. Well, give me one. Give me one thing that strikes you that you've heard in your most recent Bash You um, listening experience. One thing that strikes me the most, um, well, you know, just keep it relative to what has been going on lately, and uh, let me get myself on the shot here, um, is I rewatched the Gerald Swindle uh, flipping grass, and one of the things he stressed on was how important it was to keep your boat moving until you find the group of fish, and then you can slow down and comb every single feather off the weed. Um, that was, it, it, it kind of, it, it clicked on me actually this past weekend, uh, because I ended up doing some grass flipping out on the Chesapeake. And if you remember in the morning, it was gassing. The wind was yep. absolutely gassing. And in that on water video we did with G, it was exactly like that. The wind was blowing at his back. He had the wind pushing him, power pulls down just enough to drag the grass to slow him down. But he was picking apart those blades of grass. So that's kind of what I did. I just allow. I just you know kept the boat moving, flipping the clumps. If I made a long cast, I'd reel it in, kill it, drop the rod tip, let it fall back down, reel it in, kill it, drop the rod tip, and ended up getting a couple of bites doing that, which kind of keyed me into the spot on the spot. So yeah. um, that was one of those things that uh, that that stood out to me. And there's oh, so many. That was like, all, that's awesome. I'll give you one real quick because it directly relates to grasses. The JT Kenny. A waypoint management system of fishing massive grass beds where he he pops a waypoint every time a fish is caught yep and then so important and then when and when he's ready to fish the tournament he puts like uh, puts one point in the middle of that cluster because you'll see clusters when you're getting repetitive bites in areas and that's how you manage a yep. big giant grass bed and you and he puts one point in the middle of the dense clusters and erases all the clutter erases all the other points and keeps just one and fishes around that area I on a big grass that. bed i could never do that i could never <laughs> erase my dots dude. You're I connect, want, you're, every oh. fish you're connected to yeah oh no yeah because you start catching fish and dropping the waypoints and you start to see like the like the deal of like where the channel turns yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So. i get it every and, every lake's different everyone's you know? different and like on channel <laughs> on florida where it's just a bowl and it's yeah. just flat and yeah. there's no you know di differences you know but no way i earn those waypoints i'm keeping them oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, but i love that stuff that's all over on bashy.tv and we've got a we've got a trio of guys Heck yeah we do they're ready um, too that have just uh just been on fire uh everywhere down in the in the south and and traveling around the country especially uh with everybody going down to the all-american but three qualifiers of this year's major league fishing all-american we've got matt henry mike reed and justin kimmel yay <laughs> good to have you guys with us and thanks for having us on it's, uh, yeah, it's great to be here we uh we had the the week of a lifetime, honestly. I, I, I honestly just enjoyed it so much to be with two of your best friends in the whole universe and competing at uh, the biggest stage that we've all been after at the, at the BFL level. You know, it's a hard tournament to get to, and for us to do it all at once was uh, 
was rare and uh, special. That is special. That I mean, uh, you guys, uh, how was the Airbnb, man? Was that a was that just a cool hangout, man? What was were you frying, having fish fries? What was going on? So Pete, we were literally like one minute from the boat ramp. Oh, I mean, nice. You could have walked to the boat ramp from where we were at. So it was really sweet, you know. Like my co-anglers would, would call me and be like, "Hey, what time are you going to get there?" I'm like, "I don't know. I think I'm going to wake up at five forty-five. We launched at six thirty, you know." <laughs> uh, I'm like, "I'll meet you there at like six, six fifteen. And the guys are like, "Wait, what?" I'm like, yeah, "It'd be all right. Believe me." So it was really sweet. I mean, we had to hook up. We had all our boats lined up out there. You know, we ate good too. We had some steaks one night. I had a buddy that come down from Little Rock. We had some cheering sections out there, so it, it was pretty sweet. That is this the uh, first All American for for all of you? Have you have has any of you been there before? Well, it's Justin, All American. Justin's been there, you know, several times on as first first trip as a boater. So uh, first trip as a boater. Yep. Awesome. Did you say Matt? Did you say you've been there before? No, that's, that was my first first trip to All American. So, and what a what a show they they put on! It's it's an awesome tournament. Definitely want to make it back. Well, that's tell tell us about that because I remember back in you know the FLW days. I mean, it the All American was the deal. I mean, you know, it still is. It's, yeah, it's a big deal. It really is. Did they did Major League Fishing did they roll out the red carpet for you guys? Take us take us through that experience. Absolutely. They, they, they didn't, you know, they didn't, you know, waste any, any stops there. We, we had a banquet on one night registration. Uh, they, they had, uh, you know, awesome food, awesome experience. Um, you know, just, just the way that they went about, you know, they had people out there grabbing your fish, you know, when you're up there on stage, they wanted you to be on stage, be able to talk on stage. Uh, they had, you know, people coming in and running your fish back and forth. So you didn't have to do that. And, and it's just they, they treated you like royalty up there. I mean, you you know, as hard as it is to make that tournament, there's a lot of people that have never made it, a lot of pros that have never made it, and and uh, they wanted you to feel special there, and and they and they accomplished that. And, and there's no telling what next year will be like. I think they said that uh, I believe next year is the 40th anniversary of the All American. Oh. So um, I'm not sure if they'll they'll you know step it up even more, but it's um it's just really awesome to have made it there. That sounds like a, a, a tremendous experience, and, uh, you know, I appreciate you pointing out a lot of the pros have never made it there like myself. I appreciate <laughs> that recognition there, Matt. But uh, <laughs> I, I had a blast trying. I got to say, this I fished the first – my first BFL season was last year, and I had a blast trying to make it there. I sniffed it. I was so close. But uh, but I was really hoping to join you guys. But uh, but it is a very very difficult tournament to make. Have you fished many BFL seasons? I've GDP? never fished a whole season of BFLs ever. I just would carry a pick the bay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, they always come to the bay and yep. and, and not the Potomac River. Yeah, not this year. Yeah. Yeah. And Pete, you know, one one of the cool things about the All American too is you know for us fiscally constrained anglers, um, man, they they paid you mileage. They gave you like a housing stipend. What? Uh, that's cool. That's really oh cool. yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like, everybody got a check before we even started the tournament. And I think last place in the tournament was, like, $1,500. So, I mean, um, I mean, you were a winner whether you caught a fish or not, you know. Oh, there's no – just cool. making it there is definitely yeah. the, the deal. And with price, gas prices soaring, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. that 
that really helps. That's that's very that's awesome that they did all that stuff. What yeah. What was the uh, what was the coverage on it? Did you guys did they have a lot of uh, media coverage there? What you know? Are we going to see this uh, a, a television show? Either? What's happening with that part of it? Yeah, they'll they'll do a television show. They they put uh, Mike and I were ninth and tenth going into the final day, so they they put eight cameras for the top eight. But then I don't know if they found Mikey. They definitely found me for some coverage. Uh, put a live camera on me for a couple few hours, um, and uh, so there will be a television show. I think it. They said October. August. October. Yeah, October. October. Yeah. Okay, so October yeah. on CBS Sports. It it will it will air. Um, looking forward to watching it and seeing how Connor uh, dominated the tournament. Uh, cause he, you know, he had a special wire to wire win. It was just his tournament for sure. And the rest yeah. of us were just scratching and clawing to get you a know, bite. It was important to us because, you know, I think 11th place was like three grand and then all of a sudden it jumps up five grand. So you make, you make the uh, top 10, you make some, some good money. And then every place goes up from there. So we were all definitely after that top 10 and, um, Fortunately, a couple of us uh, of us made it, and you'll hear Matt's story soon. You know, we were bummed for Matt. Matt probably was on him better than me and Mikey. I don't know. Mikey was on him pretty good. I, I had a pretty good practice, but the stuff I was hearing from these guys, it was like Pete. It was like practicing with Ike. You know, yeah. <laughs> five and six pounders. Like I thought I was on him. I caught All these seventy three and a half today. Pounders I was catching in practice. Yeah. I thought I was on him. And I'm hearing like, man, I might be doing the wrong thing. <laughs> and I was. But. Man, it is hard to be in a house when everybody's catching them but you. You know, <laughs> it is hard to be in that house. There, it's like, man, oh man, you feel you feel so bummed out. You're like yeah. trying to catch up. You know, uh, especially well, with Ike. You know, Ike's like notorious. Yeah, well, you know, I only caught five pounders in this cove, so I'm gonna shoot for bigger ones tomorrow. You know, uh, I'm like, ah, that's that's great. You know, yeah. I like when 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 guys are catching them so good they start trying the crazy baits and all that. Yeah. And they're like, hey, well, I got one on the the double curl tail whammer jig and I'm, I'm like dude what i don't get enough bites to be trying that stuff like, <laughs> uh, uh, throwing drop shots just trying to get a sniff yeah well i i mean it's great and, and i'm going to give a shout out to the the bfls because this is for sure this is really the weekend anglers uh this is their showcase it is. and it really has become now you guys made the top 10 do you is there something after this? It, do you, are, did you guys qualify for something else? Is is the Toyota Championship, or is there something else involved here? You had to beat your region, and so basically, I had a miniature tournament with one of our me and you know Matt's local legends over here, David David Lowry, and uh, he he beat me by like a pound and oh. two ounces or something. So he yeah. gets to go to Lake Gunnersville, and my wife's probably uh, happy about that because we've added tournaments already to the schedule. Uh, Matt and I are fishing the Bassmaster Team Championship at Lake Hartwell in December. Uh, you know, we I've already got three more MPFLs on the schedule. Thinking about the Bassmaster Open, jumping in that for Lake Hartwell. So, yeah, I, I don't need any more tournaments to fish this year. But uh, David, David earned it, man. He, he, you know, David was, you know, we've all fished against David back when Mike was in Georgia, too. David's one of the best there is around here and uh 
So it was neat to get to go toe to toe with him that last day. We knew it was on the table. He had about a pound and a quarter on me and I only made up a couple ounces. So, uh, you know, we, it's weird to say that we make them catch them at Lake Hamilton when it's a game of ounces and like nine pounds is a good bag. <laughs> you know, I could see Mikey struggling all week cause he's been in Texas with the air force the last three years. And he thinks that, you know, <laughs> man, this place is horrible. I'm like, no dude, you're, you're doing good. You're like nine pounds. That's just good. <laughs> and they like want to interview you for catching nine pounds. I'm like, oh god! Uh, <laughs> I told him on stage, like literally, if I went there tomorrow, and you'd be like, well, hey, Mike, you know, you finish in the top ten All American. How you catch fish on Lake Hamilton? I like, I ain't got a darn clue, bro. Just go ask somebody else. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, I was out there struggling to get every bite I could get. You know, yeah. Uh, that's all. It's all relative, right? depending on the body of water and the yeah. time of year. You know, you go to Lake Hamilton a different time, and it's probably 20 pounds needed to do well. So uh, before before yeah. we, before we get into it, I don't know anything about Hamilton. Like, what's the lay of the land of Hamilton? Like, what are you guys doing there mostly? Are you fishing ledges? Or are you guys fishing shallow? So it was all open, GDP. Actually, ledges, there are a few ledges out there. Um, you've got this super clear lake. The further up river you go towards Wachita, it can get up to like 25 feet of clarity. You got an aquarium. I know Mike, to use an example, Mike Mike said uh, he found a group of fish on his electronics in like 15 feet, spun around, and he could see them down there. Oh, you know, so <laughs> you've got the aquarium level. You work your way down, and it starts to get a little bit better clarity, like three or four feet. And then there's this basin, like – it's just so weird. It's like a bay. It's got like three bays, and this is where the tournament was out of. I actually never left the basin uh, because just because I, I was on them pretty decent. But you can fish the bank. You got seawalls they were on. There's water willow grass that was holding fish. Brush piles all the way out to 15 feet had fish. The ledges, they wanted to get on them, and then we kind of had a cool front, and they – they didn't really get on them. Um, you could fish hard spots and catch them. You could fish docks. There's a lot of good fish coming to docks. And Matt even saw fish on bed. So wow. literally Everything. the whole playing field was open. You could have gotten a top 10 doing whatever you wanted in this tournament. Well, Matt GDP, it's what's crazy about this lake too. Like, so the water's coming out of the bottom end of a Wachita. I mean, up there where the water was coming out, the water would be, you know, 52, 54 degrees. And then down on the main lake, you know, you're at 80. Wow. That's a big mm. difference. So, yeah. And it's really weird, too. Like, even when they, when, even when they're starting releasing water, like, you can't really even tell it on the main lake. Like, huh. you have to get to, like, the third bridge before you can even tell there's current. That's, you know, so it's pretty impressive. It's, yeah, it's, and, it, and then the other dynamic of this lake, which is unique to me, is there's milfoil all over it. Ooh. That sounds, that sounds they don't like huh. the grass, though. They don't really? like to use that until it gets thicker, apparently. Huh. Well, That's it's, it's really wild. Like, the water had been low all winter, and uh, the milfoil was growing from, like, so it was bald in the shallow areas. There was hardly any grass, and in the deep areas, there was hardly any grass. So the milfoil was, like, anywhere from, like, 8 to 10 foot, and it would grow up off the bottom, you know, all the way up to maybe the six-foot range. And, uh, you know, it might have been anywhere from two to four foot up off the bottom. So, 
These are these really are, hard to get bit. These are interesting lakes because the the White River, I, it, it they release they discharge from the bottom of the dam. Oh yeah, on the upper lakes and it 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 feeds their trout. Uh, yep. You know, capacity. Lots of yeah, lots of you know. So the trout fishing capital of the world up there near Flippin, Arkansas. You know, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, because of that, so so even in the ninety-five degree heat, you're fishing in water temps that are in the fifties. You know, wow, uh, coming out of the bottom of that dam. Um, I want to go there. Yeah, I do. It sounds neat. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's fascinating stuff because, uh, man, like I, Mike, I was talking to you. You you were seeing trout sometimes following your baits and stuff. Yeah, yeah, you know, and I really tried to capitalize on that for, I went up there a lot and really tried to capitalize on that. And, you know, I had one day where I really did capitalize on it, and I thought, you know, I thought you could win doing that, but, man, those fish in that clear water are just so hard to get them to eat. Like, I mean, every condition has to be correct. I mean, like, even boat positioning, like, if you position wrong on a seawall or a dock, like, the fish would just swim out and look at you and be like, hashtag nope, <laughs> you know, and then turn around and swim away. So, um, it just never did. That that type of bite never lined up during the tournament. So. You guys you guys can throw an A-rig, right? You mm-hmm. can. You guys never. Yeah, they weren't on it. No, they weren't I checked. On. Okay. Yeah, we, we all tried it, I think. Yeah, just, that water tank yeah. Hey, All right, let, let me let me give you. We got three guys. I want to hear the patterns. Matt, you won practice, uh, so <laughs> let me let me start with you and let let's fire through here and get, tell talk to me about your patterns that that you developed during the tournament. I wouldn't say I necessarily won practice. I just <laughs> happened to see a whole bunch of big fish in practice. I, I went out in pre practice, um, you know, the, the week and a half, two weeks before the start of the tournament. Whenever prior to that off limits and. I had a decent, decent pre-practice out there and kind of found fish doing a little bit of everything. Yeah. Obviously, and you go to a tournament like this, you're, you're trying to fish your strengths. You're trying to find something that lines up with your strengths. Cause that's, that's when you win. And I, that's what I look for. Right. I was trying to find, you know, frog bites, topwater bites, you know, anything, you know, flipping, you know, jig, anything I could find that, you know, made me feel at home. And this lake did feel a lot like home, even though it was a very odd layout. It was just a strange, like you kind of, you're in like an Ozark kind of Highland type lake, but it didn't necessarily really fish like it. Like it was just a, it was kind of a strange lake, but um, I had a good, good kind of, I was optimistic, you know, and I, I knew that the weights were going to be low. I mean, you see it, it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. It seems like, you know, 10, 11 pounds is a strong bag, no matter what time of year it is. So I kind of knew that going in, but we, uh, our first official practice day was actually, uh, Memorial Day, and you want to talk about a lake full of boat traffic, and I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the busiest lakes in the country when it comes to boat traffic, and uh, I had a pretty good day, um, you know, out there. I, I was optimistic, you know, I, once again, I was catching some three-pounders, four-pounders, you know, a lot of two-pounders, and and noticed that, you know, you could catch them out offshore. I found, found some offshore holes that I really felt like you could get a good start, get a good bag in the boat, and then I really felt like the tournament was going to be one shallow, and I think it was. Um, but there was just so many fish up shallow on the bank, and and I saw a lot of those fish visually. You know, when I was practicing, I was getting follows, I was getting some of the bites, shaking them off. And then uh, we had an off limits day on Tuesday, so after Memorial Day, and that's the day that they did the banquet and a lot of those things. Um, and that was kind of a good day because I got to get my boat prepped and you know, and a lot of a lot of things get rigged. And then we had a mandatory practice day on Wednesday where we actually had to practice with our day one partner, our co-anglers. 
And uh, oh, so we go out and, and uh, go on that day. And I went and decided to check one place that I had not checked on Monday that was a pre-practice place. I pulled into it and kind of looked around and there was a lot of brim beds in the in the pocket. Like it did not matter which side of the pocket you were on, there were brim beds lining the entire thing. And it was really crazy. And uh, and there were brim on all of them. So it did not matter where you're going or brim beds everywhere. And I was like, well, this is this is going to go down. And I started looking around. There wasn't many people up shallow. It seemed like a lot of people had started losing, you know, their their hope in that shallow bite and started moving off and fishing the long points and the slow tapering points, the brush piles, uh, schooling fish, any of those types of things. And I was like, man, I might have all this stuff to myself if they if they stay on it. So I went and checked a few things. I was rolling around with a, a weightless fluke in my hand in practice, things that I could shake fish off. I had the hook cut off on it. Uh, I was throwing topwater, jig, frog, all those things. And uh, and I was getting bit pretty much on all of it. Uh, and there were wolf packers. You'd see three, four, you know, fish together in groups that were all three pounds or better. And uh, I had one that came out under an overhang and ate the fluke. And and I was trying to shake her off, but the hook's cut off. I have no, like, the hook's cut off behind the barb. It's just a blunt, you know, into it. And she's like pulling drag, like on my reel. I'm like <laughs> pressing a button, trying to get her to let go. And and I turn around, look at my co-angler, and he's just laughing. And and like she comes up and jumps like four, four and a half pounds. And I was like, this is getting crazy. Like, we're gonna have a shot. And so I said, we're not making any more cash. We're not fishing anymore. And I I decided to treat the rest of that practice day like I was looking for bedfish. I, I've had the trolling motor on on ten, and I burned down the banks of every pocket on the lower half of that lake. And you'd pull up, you'd go three, four, five docks, you wouldn't see a fish. And then you'd see three or four or five fish under one dock that were all three pounds or better. And if you look, looked around in that area, there'd be a brim bed somewhere within a dock or two of where, the, where that was. And then you keep going a little bit further and you'd see, you know, you might see one or two two pounders. And then you look under an overhang and then I saw one overhang, it had 20 fish over two and a half pounds under it. And, and I was like, this you know, this is going to line up if the weather and everything cooperates and, and, and the fishing pressure doesn't get to them, like, it's going to be good. Um, we ended up getting a thunderstorm come through at four o'clock in the morning on day mo day one, um, lightning, all that stuff. And um, I could not get the shallow bite to fire the way it needed to. I think I caught a couple up shallow, caught one swimming a jig. And um, it just didn't pan out the way that I wanted it to. Um, I scratched and clawed my way to eight, eight fourteen, I think it was, and and uh, I wasn't that far out of the cut at that point in time. I think I was in like twentieth, and top ten made the cut. And I knew that I needed sun. It seemed like anything after eleven thirty, if you, if you, the shallow bite got better after eleven thirty each day, yep. if, if the sun if the sun was out and the sun got in position. And um, day two of that tournament. Uh, I had my opportunities. I did not have the opportunities on day one. I just didn't figure it out. I didn't adjust, didn't, didn't, didn't handle it properly. But day two, I decided to start deep, caught, caught a limit, um, got myself comfortable. And then around 1130, I moved back up to the bank and tried to go, you know, check and see if these fish had moved back up. And around, I think my weigh-in was at like 2.30. And around one o'clock, those fish got back in position and started firing and you could skip a jig up under these docks. It's hard. I mean, like I'm talking like, it's like skipping rocks and, and, and you're skipping it as hard as you can and as fast as you can. And these fish would catch it, you know, is this going across the top of the water back in there? And, uh, you'd hear them blow up and explode on it. And, and I stuck a six pounder, got it all the way to the boat. Um, 
she my co-angler missed her a couple times with a net and she comes off and oh. and uh, that was the fish that gets me in the cut i'm pretty upset about it but after that i lost another three pounder and a five pounder in the next few minutes wow. and oh. i don't think i had my jig set up right i think maybe it was too bulky of a profile i didn't have quite big enough a hook something was going on there and you know just the nature of them kind of grabbing it while it's skipping i just don't know that they were getting it you know right they weren't grabbing the hook or um, I was skin hooking them in the mouth, but I should have had, you know, 17 pounds on day two and easily made the cut. Um, I ended up not getting those fish in the boat, you know, had that one that, that came off with the boat and, and that cut kept me out of the cut, but it, uh, it hurt my feelings pretty bad. I had a really long drive home, 10 hour <laughs> drive home thinking about that fish and how much the all American meant to me and, and how disappointed I was that, you know, I wasn't with my my, my boys that you know all three of my, my buddies made the top 10 and and uh man it was a tough drive home I, but i was so proud of them to be able to make it in there well that's well said and i know that that you know that's what drives us you know it's what we all love about this sport and man so so close that's, that's amazing and a great story and i want to we're going to get back to your story because your drive home was followed up with a fury of fish catching you know um, amazingness that we're going to talk about later, Matt. But I want to throw it or throw it over to Jocelyn, who's handling our IM board. Do you have any questions o over there for the boys? I do. Oh, what? We're waiting for the audio. There you go. Now we have Jocelyn. So we actually have a couple questions that tie hand in hand. So Daryl Williams and Blake's Big Bass kind of have the same question. They want to know what colors played a major part in fishing Lake Hamilton. I think that's what it's called. And um, what changes, if any, were you having to make in clearer water? Let's start with you, Matt. You what? What was the color choice? You were were you trying to look like a bluegill with your jig? I was. Um, I, I tried to have something that had you know kind of the green pumpkin, watermelon hues, but also had a little bit of chartreuse mixed in and um, a little bit of orange and stuff in it as well. And I, what I did notice is that one thing that was unique on that lake, and and I think Mike mentioned something to me about it in practice as well is that for some reason that lake when you got up shallow a lot of the fish looked really really dark it did not matter if it was bluegill if it was the bass like a lot of the bass i was catching like if you caught them offshore they just looked like a normal largemouth bass you know that green kind of hue to them when you caught a two pound or three pound largemouth up shallow over there it looked black, black and i mean yep. just super super dark and i noticed that with the bluegill and and when he said that, I made a change and started throwing a jig that had a little bit of black strands kind of mixed in, but still had the green pumpkin hues. The um, and I added a little bit of chartreuse to it, and it seemed like those fish reacted so much better mm. at that point. Uh, I was getting glad a lot to help when I made that. You <laughs> <laughs> just broke my heart a little bit more. <laughs> that tip, Mikey, that never that, that never. Made hey, so no, like we were me and Matt put in at a boat ramp. We stayed together on the. Uh, the unofficial practice day and we stayed at a boat ramp well i was telling him like i had a black jig tied on i had a black frog tied on and matt made a comment like ain't this lake clear and i'm like man look look at the bait like they'd have these little uh, sawdust mats if you will like where because the river's always flowing so they had a lot of floating debris out there you know the water had just come up that spring so um, but every time you'd walk by, like at the boat ramps or anything, and you went by one of those sawdust mats, like the brim would go out from underneath it and they look just black. I mean, just solid black. So, and that's, that's what I was doing. So, 
Um, and, and it worked during practice. You know how that goes. Hey, it's, and, that's uh, a great tip. Uh, paying attention to the bait. I mean, we do it all the time. Uh, look, looking at the crawfish, and we see them down on the Potomac. You see the crawfish bits, and we try to mimic it. But, man, what a great adjustment. Going dark on that crystal clear water. I, I like to throw dark colors in crystal clear water. I, <laughs> I really do. Yeah. Yeah. The black. Yeah. It seems like uh, clear water fish get a suntan. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Wonder what caused Oh, yeah. Wonder what yeah. causes that. Yeah, that's that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They 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 adjust to that bright light condition and they get dark. It's interesting, but it definitely works. And it, it, I was going to say GDP's got a a bluegill eaters. We're talking a lot about bluegill eaters, but uh we filmed a bluegill eating seminar from you. So uh we're going to be launching that man after right after this conversation. Do you prefer a so, fillet knife or a regular pocket knife, Greg, when you eat bluegills? <laughs> Neither. <laughs> Either one. All right. Do you fry the tails? I don't eat them. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Just checking. So, and guys, y'all might be able to back me up on this, but one of the things that I noticed was like, and, and you know, you hear guys talk about it all the time. The bottom composition has a lot to do with what colors you should be growing. Well, yeah. out here, and it seemed like on the bottom, it wasn't everywhere. Like you could get on some points and stuff that were clean, but most everywhere in the basin, or anything that didn't have current directly on it, all the pockets had this black, I don't even know what they call it, but it's like this hair grass. Uh -huh. on the, Jersey, the Jersey guys yeah. have it like Do we hey, know about that? Yeah, yeah. We, we, yeah I mean, you just, I mean, you throw death. anything down there and you get bogged down <laughs> yep. in it. And, I mean, I think that had a lot to do with the color of the bait out there. You know, you know what's amazing, though, is as annoying as that stuff is, the black death, the hair grass, whatever you want to call it, if you reach down there and get a handful of that stuff, the amount of life that is inside of that is crazy. Yep. Like yeah. just little, you know, little crabby tiny looking things, uh, little yeah. grass shrimp looking stuff. Yep. That stuff has life in it. Yep. 100%. It stinks. It, 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 <laughs> does. Yeah. it does. It does. It does. But, but there's, there's definitely something to it. You want to JK talk to you. What, what was your color choice uh, to follow up on uh, the question? Yeah. So if it was, uh, you know, I, I did a lot different game plan than Matt. Um, my fish were eating uh, smaller shad, I would say, you know, in that one to two inch size. Um, I tried to do offshore and it turned out to be translucent was was the deal. Um, this cane walker right here, this is olive shad. It's the only one with a translucent uh, belly. I don't know why, but that mattered. They would come up and hit any other cane walker or any other bait. If it had a white belly or a solid color or whatever, it's like I could not get them to hook up. This was the one they would eat. Um, my jerk bait was translucent. Um, I caught a lot on, on, on that early in the tournament. But if I was throwing around shade, you know, and then, of course, the day one, we didn't really have that. But in day two, it mattered big time. Just a solid solid color solid white i didn't get on the bluegill stuff like matt did um i really wish i would have um it sounded a lot more fun than what the exhausting and trying tournament that i had but uh but yeah that it, it just seemed like an aquarium to me you know uh, and translucency just seemed to matter i couldn't i couldn't take my whole flashy approach that i do sometimes here at Hartwell and Lanier and stuff, those flashy baits, they, they weren't, they weren't on that stuff. 
they they wanted it translucent and it's kind of like a fall deal you know you throw that clear stuff in the fall when they're on that tiny bait there were so many times they'd come up and and, and grab that berkeley you know that it's got a lot of tinsel in it they would just come up and grab that feather hook and everybody knew that feather hooks were a deal there there's a Bassmaster episode from when Ron Sheffield won there, where they were making such a big deal about the chicken feathers on their hook. Yeah, they called it chicken feathers. Chicken feathers, (laughs) you know, back in the day. But, uh, yeah, they still ate the feather hooks (laughs) for sure out there. Two completely different approaches, man. That's that's pretty awesome. And I know you gave the interview where you're like, interview somebody else. This is you, Mike, because you're not sure. You just junked around. I mean, what was was your pattern? You finished – you topped the trio here. So what what was your pattern for the uh, for the All American? So so let me just kind of start at our non official practice on Memorial Day. Um, a little bit different than Matt's experience, but I didn't see anybody offshore. So I don't maybe you noticed nobody was fishing uh, on Memorial Day, but I stayed offshore in in the danger zone, if you will, of all the <laughs> boat traffic. And uh, I focused on offshore, you know, like I knew this tournament couldn't be won in the back of the creek. I did know that. I mean, you you can look back. I mean, we've got plenty of tournament results at uh, different times of the year. And and I'm most comfortable in the back of the creek. That's what I want to do. And I felt like I could get a good finish doing that. But I knew you couldn't win it doing that. The big fish just don't live in the backs of the creeks. Not the, the truly big fish, you know, and the kinds of bites you were going to need. So. I actually found the same fish that Lowry was fishing. We talked about it. I mean, I had a 70 fish day back there in uh, that particular creek. And, you know, but but I only had maybe 10 and a half, 11 pounds that day. It was an epic, fun day. But I just knew Mm. that wasn't the deal to win. So I forced myself to stay down the lake um, or, you know, around the islands, main drags. um, and, And I knew I could get some bites shallow if the sun got up, but I really focused my practice offshore. And um, I stayed offshore. You know, that's a big thing here in Texas. If you stay on the bank, you're going to lose basically everything. So um, I've really tried to up my game there. And I was able to find a couple of offshore spots that just was was loaded. Um, one of them was a hard spot, uh, and it was in the middle of all that – you know that black hair grass there was mm. there was just a little rise on this big flat it, i wouldn't even call it a hump it might have been a five foot rise and um it just had a hard spot on the side of it did you find it and, fishing uh, or or like graphing i found it graphing nice i was trying to graph areas that weren't so obvious on the map you yeah yeah and i rolled over this one on memorial day and i mean they were lined up for down scan you know it's just one after another on the bottom and i was like oh man i looked at my co and i was like are you sick and tired of island we've been island for like four and a half hours at this point he's like oh yeah i was like let's catch one real quick and uh i, I lined up on it made one cast and you know i caught one about three pounds and i'm like uh yeah we're leaving <laughs> and he's like, yeah, my co-angler's like, wait, I thought we were going to catch. I said, not, yeah, we, meaning like I was going to catch one. And, uh, <laughs> one. And then one. We, uh, <laughs> you know, bad for him. But uh, I, I started there every day. And the first day I called them all cranky. And I just, I mean, it's no secret up there. You know, we all watch the same TV shows. But I was throwing the same bait that O'Brien Thrift was throwing up there when he won. Um, just a little spro 
uh, DD crankbait. And if nice. you if you made the right cast, you could hit the hard spot and not get bogged down. But if you cast too far, you'd get bogged down. You know, yep. in the in that hair grass. And then if you if you made too short of a cast, you couldn't hit the hard spot. Um, Was your pan optics but, playing a role in that spot, Mike? Oh, a hundred percent. A hundred percent. I mean, them fish would kind of hover over that hard spot. And I, when I say hover, they'd be like two to, you know, one and a half, two foot off the bottom, mm -hmm. you know, so you had to get the bait down there to them and you really needed to hit the bottom to get a reaction. How um, big was the spot? Like, like of a clean area did you have? I might've been the size of say, you know, a living room or maybe a kitchen, you know, I mean, it wasn't okay. huge, but I would say, you know, probably 30 by 30 or something of that nature. Right. Um, so, I mean, and when, when you're making those long casts, I mean, it was really, I mean, of, of, you know, if I made 50 casts, I might've only got 20 of them. Perfect. You know what I'm saying? Even though I knew the lineup, I knew where it was at. I was still pulling hair off my crankbait quite a bit and fouled right. up casts. So, right. um, I caught all my keepers there on day one. Um, and then I went shallow and, and really didn't do any good. You know, and that was the day we had all the rain. I mean, it was just pouring on us all day. Um, I actually caught all those fish before the rain got there. And then uh, on day two, it was dead slick, calm, and sunny. And I started there, and I, I only caught one on the crankbait and wasn't really doing a whole lot of good. So I picked up a flutter spoon, and I just had one of these old nickel flutter spoons and uh, was able to get some additional bites and left there with a limit, a small limit. Um, and then, and then I would go shallow again and trying to make that work. And for the conditions that I wanted, day two was the best, you know, I really wanted sun and I wanted wind. So anywhere that the wind wasn't ripping, I wasn't fishing there. So I was trying to stay on, you know, wind blown banks and I don't really care what bank that was, but I wanted to be in the wind. I felt like that was the best way to trick a fish. And these guys will tell you there's, there's five and six pounders swimming all over that joker. It's just really hard to trick them, you know. And hmm. and the other thing, the fish would move every single day. So, like, if you thought you found a stretch, which we all did, we thought we found a stretch, you could go there the next day and you wouldn't see any activity at all. So, it – and there was brim beds everywhere. They're on the main lake stretches. They were on the main drags. They were on the points. They were in the pockets. I mean, so to me, like, the brim bed, I, it just – I don't want to say it was – confusing to me but i never could really get them to eat on the brim beds i'd try to every trick i know but and i'm sure there was an accident somewhere but to me there were so many of them i just couldn't narrow that down you know right and then um and then like my shallow game i'll show you you know kind of my color selection did on day three did, were you able to catch them deep uh, again or did you change up your plan to day three or what what happened there well so on on day three I started there and I only caught one on a crankbait, which was pretty cool because uh, the guy that was in second, he started right behind me on the bank. And I told my co-owner, I'm like, man, if I catch a fish on this spot, which I will, I was like, I was like, I'm going to yell and scream for the net just so I can get some camera time. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so I went Ike on him out there just to get the camera off him, boy. You know, for a while. So I got some additional footage in there. Nice. Uh, like that move, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's strong. You know, was, you know, I played it up. I'd build dance the bass and everything, you know, so, um, good for you. But yeah. Like when I went shallow, I upgraded, I upgraded on this guy on days, uh, 
two and three. Oh, that's you your know. that's your custom jig, man. You you are a, a yeah. jig tire. You're a custom lure maker. That's one of yours. Yeah, it is. And uh, you, you know, and I got to give out a shout out to Matt. And I might have helped him with color at practice. Um, but Matt had a crawdaddy in his live well, and I just couldn't get anything going. You know, as far as flipping shallow, and I mean, throwing a jig is what I like to do. And and I was throwing the black one all day on day one in shot, you know, in the cloud cover and everything. And I thought that would be the deal, and I just never could get anything going. And he showed me that crawdad, and I just tried to match it, you know. So I just kind of I stole some skirt material off some things and made me a jig. So um, nice move. That that you were yeah. throwing that football head up shallow. Oh, yeah. I'm telling you, like, fish hour catching, we're in six inches of water. And, I mean, you could see the bottom. I mean, you would look up there and you'd be like, there's no fish up there. And you'd see, yeah. it's almost like fishing like Oneida or something, you know, like where you see those docks and you're like, there's no fish under there. And then you skip Pete Cinco under there and catch a four pounder. <laughs> right. So, Why the football head shape uh, up shallow, Mike? Um, well, one, it skips really well. Okay. And I can put that one exactly where I want it. Okay. And two, I just like the way that one sits on the bottom. You know, like when it's up, I mean, it's it's like even right. when you're dragging, I mean, that thing just rocks back and forth. And it's huh. a small enough head. I mean, this is a this is a uh, this one's a half ounce. Okay. And uh, I mean, I can flip this one in brush and everything and not really get hung. So right. The it's got to have a pretty fast fall. Where you're not really getting bogged down and hung. So I use this one. I mean, I would say eighty percent of the time. Yeah, with that, with that, you know, real thin skirt material, like it doesn't look like you got much rubber on there at all. That that's got to fall pretty fast. Yes, yes, and I mean that's what I'm going for. I'm going for a reaction strike, you know. Gotcha. And I mean, everyone I caught, you know, they they ate within the first, you know, five seconds of it being in there. What's the you're skipping? What and this? I want to send this to you too, Matt. Now I'm going to send it over to Jocelyn for some questions from our guys. But what? What's the trailer you're using? I know Matt, you were talking about skipping. You did too just now, Mike. What's what's the best trailer you guys are using to get the most skipping action out of your jigs? Well, the best one is a uh, like a Reaction Innovations uh, beaver. Sweet Beaver. Yeah. I mean, the Sweet Beaver is is you know a beaver style bait gives you enough weight. Man, I can skip a jig sixty feet under a dock with a beaver on it. Now this one, I just like the clear water. That's a salty pro chunk. It does not make this the jig skip better. I, I can tell you. Yep. It just doesn't. I mean, you gotta you gotta have the rest of your setup right in order to skip this one. But um, but just for ease of skipping, that sweet beaver, hundred percent. Awesome. How about you, Matt? What were you? What was your trailer? I was on a little bit of a different setup, different different type of bike, different than I normally would be on. I'm I'm usually one to skip around a you know. A, a zoom super chunk or um or you know some kind of little crawl something like that on the back of it and i tried all that through practice and i just did not i didn't have the jig dialed in i wasn't getting much of the flipping bite per se mine was sheerly reaction uh and and i've learned this in pre-practice a little bit when i got bit but majority of my jig bites actually came while the bait was still moving going in so they either blew up on it when it was going in or they had it when I turned the handle, like as soon as it stopped moving right. and I turned the handle as heavy. Um, that's the majority of the bites I had. And, and I felt like they were bluegill oriented. So I had a 3.8 high tech on the, on the back of my jig. So I was kind of treating it more of a swimming jig. And, gotcha. and I even had uh, in pre-practice, I was getting them to react to it where I had it on an eight to one gear ratio 
and you know you're skipping it in as hard as you can and, and i felt like the floating docks were better than the ones with a post on them for me i think those fish were suspended around those floats a little better um and uh and i was shooting them through little small holes you know, on those docks and it goes skipping through there and you'd hear them blow up and like trap it against the bottom of the dock and you just turn the handle, you set the hook and you got them. Um, or uh, if they didn't get it right away and they didn't have it on that initial, like as I'm engaging the handle, then I'd turn the real handle and I'd just start burning it back out as fast as I could reel it with that eight to one gear ratio. And I had several that would either get it that way or I did have a lot more follows. I, I would at least draw them out from the dock and I saw a lot of that in practice where I could draw them out and like, okay, there's a four pounder on this dock and there's a three pounder on that dock. And, and so I got to see a lot of fish because of that, but I obviously didn't have it fully dialed in. I'm, I'm thinking that that swim bait with as fast as that thing was moving, I'm thinking that they might've been grabbing at the back half of it just a little bit. And, and I, they weren't getting the full jig in their mouth and that might've been part of my problem, but. Yeah, that that's, well, it's a tough one to overcome and you hate to learn those lessons live in the tournament you know and uh i i I think you're going to figure out what that solution was i of course when i'm in that situation i always solve it on the ride home you know which is a great time (laughs) great time to solve your your fish losses you know when you're driving home uh but uh jocelyn let me send it to you we have any questions for these guys we do so i think this one's kind of aimed towards mike reed a little bit because they're saying with you only catching like the nine pounders and you're used to catching bigger floor stream bass was it a tough decision to stay or go like did you what made you decide if you were going to stay or if you were going to go well i saw the potential of what was there and i just know in tournament fishing well i mean you get the sense of when you're close you know like you know what weights it's going to take and you know we see all the big bass 22 pound days and yada 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 that's what we're all thinking but just historically on this lake, 10 pounds a day is really good. And on uh, day one, I ran around and checked some big fish areas, you know, and I feel like that really hurt my bag because I'm like, okay, well, they're not firing here. Let's go check this spot. Oh, they're not firing here. Let's go check this spot. Well, um, you know, on day two and day three, I'm just like, we're, we're not going to advance by doing that. You know, this is not a running gun. To me, it wasn't a running gun type lake. Um, although I did check several spots uh, throughout both days, it was all conditions based, you know? And it was like, okay, well, hey, the conditions are this, this is what we're going to do. And I still knew the bite would be tough. So you had to kind of, I don't want to say milk an area, but you just had to kind of slow down and really be very deliberate to get a bite. I mean, you're not. I mean, maybe, maybe the guy that won it, maybe he could do that, just blow down the bank. And, uh, you know, he just had he had his bait dialed, but I could, you know. And I didn't feel like I could uh, win that way, and I didn't feel like I could catch fish that way. So I really slowed down and uh, and really tried to make my deal work. I, like I said, I committed to offshore because I knew I, I'm always um, – I haven't got that big, you know, BFL win like these guys yet, you know, and – and I knew, like, the back of the creek game, that's what I love to do. I could go do that, and I could have a good finish, or I could stay offshore and try to win this choker. And and that's what I did. And, you know, and I still had a good finish. So, that, um, That's awesome. That per, the, that type of persistence is what gets you the win, yeah. even though it right. didn't do it this time, 
you know? Because you can't spin out. You can't spin out and be like, oh, I got to go try this. Oh, I got to go try this. Oh, I got to try this. Yeah, you just got to yes, like you, you're confident you, what you're doing. You can definitely and, spin out, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it it and, happens and all the time. Guy, this little guy got me some key fish on day three. Yeah. Um, this is a PH Custom Lures. It's a, it's called a gulp. And, uh, man, I'm telling you, like, on day three, I cold four times in the last hour and got what I got. So, nice. ended up with the second b- biggest bag on day three. Um, so, it was kind of struggle bus on day three all the way up to the last hour. Well, that was a nice adjustment. And, uh, that again, great finish for all you guys. Uh, you know, just tremendous uh, – uh, just making it there, and then you know you you two get in the top ten, and and I know, like I said, Matt, you were you missed a couple of key fish that would have put you right there, right there with the boys. But I, this is this is interesting to me because you had uh, th- this is a great story. You left the All American, and while these guys were fishing in the top ten, and you drove well, I don't you know you drove all night, man. Tell us tell us that story. Yeah, I would be like just so mad that i missed those fish i don't even think i could fish a tournament the next day but you did it man tell us tell us that story yeah i was i was frustrated for sure i mean i obviously knew that uh i i really felt like i had the opportunity out there at the all-american to, to catch them because I, I really thought a 20 to 25 pound bag was possible from what i was seeing and and, and i figured out I, I found a bait that made him react so when losing fish and and losing a fish at the net you know that we had opportunity at you know, a couple of times, like it just, that hurt. And so, uh, I was pretty, pretty amped up and mad and, and I was frustrated and, and, uh, and I got, I got, uh, my boat on the trailer real quick after I got weighed in, I went back to the house. I, I saw I had a frozen pizza left in the refrigerator and I was like, I'm not going to have time to really stop and eat. So I, I turned the oven on, put a frozen pizza in there and, <laughs> and uh, packed up the truck and I had everything, uh, you know, in the truck, the pizza was ready. I ate it and I hit the road. And I think I got on the road before four o'clock and I had a hard, a little bit of a hard time making that decision. Cause I really, you know, I was, I was kind of between staying and, and, you know, my three buddies were, you know, going to have a really good shot of being in that final, final day. And I, it's like, I kind of wanted to be there for them and be there to watch that. But at the same time, I was like, man, I know that they'd want me to go back and, and go, you know, fish this Berries Classic. This is so the Berries Team Trail is is one of the biggest team tournaments in the state of Georgia, and uh, every year they have their Classic, which is the the first days on Oconee, the second days on Sinclair. So it's two different lakes, two day. Ah, uh, that's very cool. And, I uh, remember talking to you about this, Justin. This is interesting, mm-hmm. where the it switches bodies <laughs> so of water. Yeah, we we've tried uh, for what 14, 15 years to try to win this tournament. It's been the one that's always eluded me and Justin, yeah, you because know, we're team partners fishing these tournaments all the time. Lost by point oh two. It was like, third of an like two thirds of an ounce two years ago. We lost to Tony Couch. Pete, you probably know Tony Couch sure. from, uh, from a lot of the days of fishing, but um, but we lost two years ago to him, and 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 to be that close, it hurt. So this is the one tournament that has just been that monkey on our back. That's been at home that you know i just can't believe we hadn't won it yet and so i I drove all night it took me i don't know 10 and a half 11 hours um to to get home uh stop for gas you know and 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 it's the last two hours is really tough you know the last four was kind of tough but every time i'd stop i'd grab a ice cold drink out of the cooler and i'd like stick it down my shirt you know just something to try to get woke back up and that's right just just to get me there well I, i pulled into sugar creek marina at oconee at 3 30 in the morning 
and uh, blast off was going to be right around 5.30, 5.45. So I got about a one-hour power nap in the truck and, hmm. until people started pulling in. And, um, and I did awesome. not light them up on the, that Saturday. I had a tough day. I had, I think, three three over four pounds that blew up on top in the morning. I didn't get a hook in any of them. Um, heck, part, part of that may have been my fault because I was, I was so tired. I don't know. But uh, <laughs> I never got any more big bites. I just did enough to hold myself in it. I, I had like 10.8 pounds. And, and I was pretty upset, you know, to go through that. And I was like, man, I may just drive and, you know, and now I'm not, you know, not even going to be in contention to win. And, you know, this, this stinks. And, um, how far back were you? You said you were in 39th place. I was in 39th place after day one. You know, there's like 110, 120 boats, something like that, fish this tournament. And, uh, I think 17 something was leading. There was two 17 pound bags and two 16 pound bags. And, and, uh, so I was pretty far back. And, you know, I decided to, you know, I'm going to show up and fish day two anyways. It's a free entry fee. I mean, we, me and me and Justin finished third in Angler of the Year for the trail, and they give you a free entry fee into the Classic if you finish in the top three. And and I was like, you know what, I'm a, you know, I made this drive back. I was having to burn that gas to get back to Georgia anyways. Might as well do it and fish it, you know, for, you know, with a free entry fee. Maybe I'll go win big fish or something. And and the stars aligned on day two because uh, I put I ended up catching 22 and a half pounds on day two. Holy and, smokes. You know, and I ended up vaulting all the way back, came back and won it by pound. So uh, that's awesome. Uh, that's that's absolutely awesome. The class this year, I was I hated that my my boy wasn't in the boat with me, but uh, it was just one of them one of them days. It, it happened, and it was a pretty cool story to be able to uh, to come back, you know, from that. I don't know why I even fish a day one of a tournament. I just you know. I, I, <laughs> so, but, I mean that's how i, I know how you feel American. i caught 26 pounds on day three and yeah you know, it's just yeah you know, it's just kind of one of those things i don't know why i show up on day one uh, oh, he's man. the comeback kid his first bfl he ever won was a two-day he snuck into the cut at like last place came from like 11 or 13 pounds back in one day and and, and got it I, I don't know what he does but he yeah. makes well, that comeback happen, well, man. Well, in this situation, I think you got a full night's sleep. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. know? You are no longer hallucinating. <laughs> hey, so, 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 Matt, the question we all want answered is, would you have let Justin hold up some of those fish? Wait, what? I said, would you have let Justin hold up some of those fish if he was there? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> of course he would have, man. <laughs> we never cared who caught who caught him, man. Right, that's the way to be. Net that's fish a- all day long. Yes, yeah, sir, man. Yeah, heck yeah, me too. That well, that that was a great story. What a great win! And uh, you won a lot. What'd you win? Like twenty grand for that thing? What'd you win? Yeah, with the boat contingency money, being in a new boat and all, I think it was like seventeen grand for the oh. for the wow. Uh, for the Barry's Classic and and the joke uh, was on yeah. us. Me, David, Lowry, and and Mike got six, seventh, and eighth. So for the Georgia boys, we we we, we all made over ten grand, and then Matt, Matt went home and made more money than all of us. Wow, man! Well, you guys you guys are loaded in fishermen's world. <laughs> yeah. You know, you know. <laughs> hey. Yeah, ta- yeah. Tackle Direct's gonna be getting rich. <laughs> By the way. We have the Strike King crankbait on for you guys that are subscribers at six ninety nine. It's thirty percent off 
Uh, go over there, check it out. If you've not used Tackle Direct before, you're going to love it. You're going to love the customer service. Uh, check your email. We have a, a, a monster blowout on that Strike King flat side, which I can never remember the name of the bait. Chick, Chick Magnet. The Chick I not remember. I, Chick I, I, used, I used to be one of those. <laughs> the uh, you think I'd remember the name. <laughs> <laughs> you used to be a crankbait, Pete? <laughs> a, fl a flat side. Were, <laughs> were you plastic or balsa? <laughs> uh, a lot of buoyancy here yeah. these days, boys. <laughs> uh, Love it. Love it, guys. <laughs> it's it's been awesome, man. What what a great deal. Congratulations all around. We're going to we're going to we're going to continue talking fishing. We're going to take a quick break, guys. And uh, hey, you guys are welcome to stay on. I know I know Matt and Mike, I don't know if you guys are working, but we'd love to uh, have you guys hang on if you want to. We're going to be talking about the the Pickwick tournament where GDP smashed them and uh, and talking about some Chesapeake Bay fishing. So um it's great having you guys if uh, hopefully we'll see you on the other side i'll talk to you all real soon either way but we're gonna guys we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back with some more fishing talk on bass university live that's right guys this is gonna be a uh, quick one it's only gonna be uh, about what we got here it's gonna be about a minute 15 for the break guys so uh hang tight with us we will be coming right back to you Sale.com is the world's premier bass boat listings business. We focus on driving premium web traffic to our main website, business Facebook page, business Instagram, and our business YouTube channel, providing your bass boat listings the best buying traffic and top-notch exposure. Whether you need to sell your bass boat or are looking to buy a bass boat, it's simple. We give boats exposure so buyers shop and sellers list. One-time listing fee, no commission, and boats list until they sell. BassBoatForSale.com. Check it out. BassBoat.